A big welcome to the Nick Elston Show, hosted by inspirational speaker and transformational speaking coach, Nick Elston. This show brings you the people who inspire, motivate, educate and engage in all walks of life, sharing their insights and experiences honestly, unfiltered and off script. So without further ado, let's get stuck into today's show. Hey everyone, a big welcome back to the Nick Elston Show, season four, episode 13, and another amazing guest to bring you. As promised, it's a wonderful Sean Doherty. Big round of applause for Sean. Woo! That's the energy we all need in our life right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's for me. Like I said, that I'm definitely on coffee mode today. Like the energy is flagging. Clapping on Zoom calls is massively overrated, uh, underrated, <laughs> sorry. So it gets the energy going. Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Great, great to be here. It's it's an amazing place, to actually, the kind of the, the wonderful world of things like LinkedIn and kind of mutual contacts and stuff. And uh, I first kind of came, came across you uh, through my work with NextGen. And so uh, subscribers would have recognized Adam Owen and Dan Graham and lots of people that have been on the show before. We have Rohan coming up very shortly too. So all these amazing people from the next gen community. Um, and I have this kind of email update saying like, this guy, Sean, is doing this today. I thought, that looks amazing. It's also <laughs> massively needed in that kind of space, in the financial uh, space. And yeah, and I was just so, so impressed. So before I undersell you or oversell you, one of the two, Sean, tell us who you are, where you're from, where home is for you and, and what you're about, what you do. Uh, yeah, beautiful. My well, my name is Sean Doherty, uh, as as the text would suggest. I am originally from the very northwest tip of Ireland, sort of next stop Iceland. I currently live. I, I'm 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 married and living in Northern Ireland now for long. My marriage coming up on seven years. I'm going to say seven years. Yes, and my journey to where I am now with the 555 Club has been a sort of a meandering uh, lesson in life from young engineer in London to a young cancer patient to not so young cancer patient to recovery and then moving into the financial advice world, which was where um, I ultimately met Dan at NextGen and then realizing that the lessons I had picked up and the things that had helped me along the way will most likely be better served offering that back and helping other people that um, saving people to go through five or six years of being in a living with your parents on a, on a in your bed to figure these lessons out. If you, if you can get the lessons without going through what I did, I, I feel that's a much, much better use of my time than um, there's nothing wrong with investing people's money and keeping them on the right track. I think that's a very, very important role. But for me personally, this feels more aligned for now. So I'm going to follow that. Absolutely. I love that. And so if you're happy to, to kind of go there or comfortable to go there and tell us about that experience, obviously you've been very candid and open uh, kind of away from the show. And if you're comfortable to go there, would you mind telling us about your experiences with with cancer the diagnosis and and, and then obviously the inspiration for 555 club yeah uh, no it's, it's something i'm very comfortable talking about um so I, I came home on a holiday from london august 2011 24 years old and it was my the, the second last day of the holiday my sister noticed a lump on my neck she's a nurse so 
booked in for the GP appointment the following day. Sort of thought it would be nothing, laughed it off. And quite quickly, the GP just said, like, when are you flying back to London? Uh, so it was put to A&E, you know, almost rushed, but it wasn't rushed. My sister drove me uh, two days later, or then admitted that day, uh, whenever you're an A&E and people start calling your name very quickly, I've learned that's not where you want to be. You want to be the person who's complaining about how long it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you're waiting five hours, that's a, that's a good place to be. Um, within a week diagnosed with stage 3B Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was a very positive diagnosis for a, a it's quite a common diagnosis, a young men in their 20s and then men in their 50s and 60s are, are sort of the two brackets it falls into. And I was told, uh, literally told, if you're going to get a cancer, this is the one you want to get 90 to 95% cure rate. You'll be back in London flying it. I fell into the 5 to 10% that didn't uh, scrape through. So standard chemo moved to uh, increased chemo, which moved to uh, radiotherapy. Uh, none of that worked. Radiotherapy did eventually work. And then it just popped up somewhere else, which moved to, at this point, my care then moved to Dublin. Um, from, from a peripheral hospital. So under a specialist team at that point, uh, moved then to more intensive chemo. The, the longest I've had was, I think it was 26 hours straight. Um, wow. Hour 13 was when I, when I had to vomit. I still remember. <laughs> um, that didn't work. And then I was put forward for a, I always butcher this now, for an autologous stem cell transplant. So that's my own auto being autograph. Uh, found out after that, still have small bit of cancer, so no good having the autologous, and then went for an allogenic, which is then you go out to find, can you find a donor for a stem cell transplant? Very, very fortunate that the same sister who basically frog marched me to the doctor was a straight line match, so had a stem cell transplant January 2013, went from, I would say, 96 kilos when I weighed in, and over the space of the next eight months, lost 20 kilos, 73 was my lightest. Wow. Uh, transplant didn't work. May, found out sort of May time just before my sister's wedding that that wasn't going to, wasn't successful. Then had Brentuximab, which at the time was an unapproved uh, chemo from America, got Irish government sign off. Uh, that worked well for a few cycles and then didn't work. So October 2013 was told, look, there's, you know, we're sorry, but there's, there's not a lot we can do at the minute. So I spent a day or two sort of sitting, um, I, I can still see where I was that evening uh, with my back against the hot radiator. It's the one thing I, I pressed my back against it until I could feel my skin burn and then I'd come off it a bit. And then it was like that sensation was keeping me present. And so after that, the next day, thought you know what i'm not ready to leave yet there's still things i want to do there's still I, I, by the way i wasn't you know quite early on i realized that i probably wasn't going you know mathematically speaking not going to see 30 so i wasn't actually afraid of dying it was it was more the living i was afraid of not doing there's things i want to do see boxes i want to take take off um and yeah so started exploring different routes check myself in with people to look around diet mindset and then quickly realize there's actually loads that I could take into my control. And before I go into this, it can be a very heated subject for a lot of people. I've had a lot of luck on my side. Um, there's no guarantees. There's no promise. But for me, it was about the mindset of taking control of 
my situation. And there was then on top of that, my consultant who I'm forever grateful for also tried a further um, borderline experimental treatment where she gave me more of my sister's cells to induce a condition that's called graft versus host. So it's graft, my sister's cells versus my cells host disease. So the, the basic concept is that my body grew cancer, so it doesn't recognize it to fight it. So they introduce a foreign healthy cell and that then recognizes it to kill the cancer. The, the, the balancing act being that it also recognizes your kidneys, your heart, your liver, everything else as foreign bodies and can run rampant and kill, kill, you know, kill that off. So it's finding the balance of giving you enough of the condition to kill the cancer and not giving you enough to kill yourself. Uh, and, and when I asked my co consultant, did she have any patients do this before? And she said, yes, I've had one and he died. And she blamed herself for not giving enough GVHD. So she just said, you're going to get a good blast of it. So actually on paper, when I was probably at, you know, through it and had the all clear, it was the most challenging time for me because I was dealing with the side effects of GVHD. Still, even now to this day, I don't, uh, I don't fully produce saliva. So even now talking, I find my mouth drying out. I'm going to take a, take a little drink of water. You carry on, yeah. Wow. Um, and then it was a long, slow journey. There was nothing... And that's, that was one of the, one of sort of the, the main lessons that looking back, it's easy to talk about what was very challenging is because I'd always had goals for myself and plans. So I would say, you know, by, you know, in May, by Christmas, I'm going to weigh, I'm going to have my weight back. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to do it. And Christmas would come and pass and no, you're, you're still alive. You're still healthy ish but you're not the weight you want to be. You're, you don't have the energy you thought you'd have. You still need to sleep for two hours in the middle of the day. And it was removing the, you know, removing the deadlines, the times around it, and just making sure that I was pointed in the right direction. And one of the, the benchmarks for me now looking back is that at different points when I thought I looked really, really healthy, Take my wedding day, for example, like everyone's like, you're looking amazing. When I look back, it's like, oh my gosh, look how, look how sick I looked. And that happened at so many intervals. So you're just steadily, slowly, continually letting your body repair, letting your body recover. And I see that now so much that I'm, you know, starting my own business, starting, you, know, you have all these dreams and plans of within three months, I'll have conquered Eastern Europe and then I'll move on to America. And everyone is like, no, slow down, slow down, slow down. It's like, are you facing the right direction? Are you, are more people enjoying it than not? Are people taking stuff from it? Are you helping people? Are you getting the right feedback? And if, if that's the direction you're facing in, then just keep moving in that direction and, and the rest will take care of itself. Um, the, the other lesson through it for me is that you have more control than you think you do in, in almost any situation. And I will say again, there are circumstances where it's just crap and that's okay. Um, I'm a big believer that you know sometimes the most positive thing you can do is to acknowledge just how shit something is, um, and, and the the belief around just you know just keep positive. The amount of times that was said to me, and keeping positive is very good for other people around you, and that was what I had found. It, it helps your family, it helps your friends whenever you've got the smile. But you also have to look at what's helpful for you in the situation you're in. Sometimes that's just telling it, you know, telling, telling an inanimate object to fuck off. 
Mm. It's what you need to do. Or, you know, screaming therapy at the beach was a helpful thing. Um, yeah. So with the control for me, it was when I started looking after my diet, which I didn't do. I didn't do it all for, I just didn't know. So it was actively choosing the juice, you know, the freshly juiced vegetables. And it's like, okay, every choice I make is for my body, choosing water over fizzy drinks, choosing fresh air, choosing, and it's consciously linking those hundreds of tiny little steps that over the course of five or 10 years, because the five or 10 years is going to pass if, if you're alive. And it's those little steps that give you the control. And every so often now I'll have a patient reach out or a family member and say, you know, would you mind speaking to, you know, Nick, he's in a bad place at the minute. So the, the first question, because we, we don't like knowing that we're in control, that we, that we have some control over this. The first, it was a lady said to me that basically every action you have taken has led you to where you are in this moment. And I really struggle with that. Like, so you telling me this is my fault because I was told by my doctor, this is a freak accident, very unfortunate, which there is an element of that too. I had all my friends were living the same lifestyle. That's me. They're all in the same stressful jobs. Um, but then whenever I sat with it and let that rest on my shoulders, it's like, well, if it's, if it's your fault, you can, you can do something about it. If it's not your fault, then you're totally powerless, powerless. And I, I would much rather be able to do something about it. And if that meant you know, even for the own battle in my head saying, okay. And then I switched it around and said, oh, I fully believe when I examined the, you know, the hours I was working, the stress I was under. And then because of that, you felt you're entitled to go out two or three nights of the weekend at 24. And then that just causes you to perform less on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which causes you to go out more and the cycle just heads downwards. Um, and then trying to just get my, my bearings again here yeah so whenever people come and have the conversation around you know when you talk with Nikki's in a bad place the first thing i'll ask is can you do you believe you can influence your behavior negatively can you can your actions make your condition worse so if you're trying to lose weight if you're trying to you know save a marriage if you're trying to look after your pension i, I don't care what it is do you think you're at you can you can make your situation worse and of course you can. You can, you know, if you're married, you can sleep around, you can lie, you can cheat, you can, you can blow your pension savings, you can, you know, buy the car and not be able to afford it. It doesn't matter. So once someone takes control for being able to make a situation worse, they have automatically, unbeknownst to them, taken control for being able to make it better. Uh, we're, we're very easy at admitting we can make something worse. And by doing that, you know, it's just simply physics. What goes up must come down. So if you can balance one end of the seesaw, you can balance the other end. And then it's acknowledging that, look, there's no, there's no guarantees. And one of the things that helped me was that I, you know, I wasn't afraid of dying, but the, there's no guarantees, but what can you do to make today a little bit better or to enjoy today a little bit more? And then also fully, fully living in the moment because I, I had friends planning holidays two, three years ahead. And I, I was thinking, are you mad? I still remember my first smartphone contract and I was going to ask the lady in the shop of what happens if I die in this two. And I thought, oh, fuck it. Someone else can deal with that. Uh, when I wasn't well at a, at, a, at a wedding photography business and someone came in and booked two years ahead. And I, I thought, like, I'm going to be dead, but I'll take your deposit anyway. 
uh, turns out I didn't die and then had to shoot the wedding and I'd spent the deposit. So I, I made <laughs> virtually nothing on the wedding. <laughs> um, but li li little things over the years. And then from the graph versus host at a, an ongoing condition where I have rashes on my skin, still have the dry mouth, can't really handle any spice. So they could get quite painful, quite sore. And then it was 2018, uh, Joe Rogan, episode 712, Wim Hof. There was, a, there was a BBC program on about him last night. And he was talking about how you can influence the bone marrow, how you can influence your immune system with breath work and cold exposure. So I, my, my, wife's a, my wife's a doctor, so I came in and played this for her. And she's like, that, that's exactly what's wrong with you. I, you know, my, my bone marrow was completely shot. My platelets were below a time they were regularly below 10 a regular platelet count should be wow. 150 to 450 so i would just have random bruises on my legs massive my shoes would cut my ankles it, it, i could still live but it wasn't you know i couldn't get on a plane in case anything would happen yeah. and you couldn't play any sport you couldn't do anything because you just bleed out so that that day i started you know with no like on youtube just looking at different breathing breathing no, this this feels good. Started straight into cold showers. I still remember Kathy coming in, and I was like, <gasps> she, she she actually thought there's something wrong, and I was like, she's like, no, apparently this is very very good. <laughs> so went deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole, and didn't actually notice anything changing until about three weeks later. I told myself I'd treat myself to a warm shower on a Saturday. And I came out and my skin was sore and prickly. And I was like, oh, I haven't felt this in three weeks. Wow. So I, re I realized that the cold was helping with my skin rashes. So it's like, right, we'll just keep doing that continually. And from radiotherapy to my side of my head, I would have continual sinus infections, which any normal person would get over, but given my lower immune system, like I was taking Nupogen twice a week to artificially prop up my immune system. And I was taking EPO once a week for years. That's just the same EPO that Lance Armstrong was jacked on all the, all the good stuff. And that was to let me li live a semi moderate, you know, semi ordinate life. And yeah. So with, with the daily breath work, uh, you know, in through the nose, I found that I was and every morning clearing stuff you know it's not very pretty but it's clearing gunk from my head that i didn't know was there so mm -hmm. i noticed i'm not getting infections because i'm clearing stuff through so with just the small things that i was doing between the breath work in the morning and the cold exposure um, my skin rashes had dialed down and i wasn't visiting a hospital nearly as much because of the way my immune system was i would get a sinus infection that would lead to a cough that would lead to a chest infection next thing you're in hospital on antibiotics for five, 10 days. Mm. And it wasn't so much the time in hospital, but at this stage, it was, it was, it was affecting my image of myself because it would remind me that I'm a patient. It would remind me that, oh shit, this is because you're trying to push on with your life and then you're brought back trying to push on. And psychologically it was starting to hurt me in that, in that regard. This show is sponsored by Forging People, transformational speaking coaching. Are you truly being heard in life, in business, in education, even at home? Your ability to deliver any message with clarity, power and emotion will have an ultimately defining impact on your success as a speaker, leader and influencer. 
For more information, contact team at forgingpeople.com. Are you truly being heard? It's time to find your voice. And then around this time, then got my qualifications through for financial advice, started working in the, in the corporate world, was really enjoying it. And the further on I went, then I found myself a couple of years in, actually not that happy. And I was sitting journaling. And when I reflected back, the only, the only difference was that I, when, I, when I was not well, but full of joy, I was very much living in the moment. And I you know, made a rough, just had no plans, had no aspirations. It was just write it down. It's like, observe this. Well, isn't that interesting that this is, you know, this is the only real common denominator between is that you didn't have, you weren't setting targets for yourself. You weren't comparing yourself to where you think you should be. And then did, you know, with mild intentions of moving into a, a breath workspace, trained with several different breath schools. Um, and then through various different changes, ended up in a, in a sales organization to, to learn. I wanted to learn more about sales. They, you know, the company went belly under six weeks in, the brand of the money. So I found myself last February, last March uh, with no job. And it's like, okay, that's the universe telling you to get moving. Cause I'd planned sort of this summer was my, was my plan to move. Um, and I just thought there's never going to be a right time. Go for it. So it was based around breathwork for businesses. How do I, you know, bring in the mindfulness space, the importance of slowing down, the importance of quieting the mind. And in the middle of the summer, I had the idea for a morning, uh, a morning call that would be free online, the 555 Club. And this was five minutes of breathwork, five minutes of meditation, five minutes of gratitude designed to breathwork to get you out of your head, get you into your body, the meditation to realize that, look, all we have is this moment. So many of our worries or stresses are either thinking about the conversation we had with some stranger 10 years ago and why did I say that? Jesus, I can't believe. Or you're worried about next week or the call at four o'clock this evening or the client deadline or the quarterly deadline when the only moment you can influence anything or change anything is right this second. Um, and I have it written on my whiteboard here just in front of me, this moment matters. Can you keep coming back? Like this moment now, this connection with Nick and I matters. Mm. And then the... It was originally journaling, uh, just life journaling, but I quickly realized five minutes wasn't enough time for that. So I, I changed it to gratitude. And the day I changed the gratitude, the, the last five minutes, I started getting messages from people around. This was really profound today. I, you know, I, I had shed a tear of happiness. Thank you. I was like, well, maybe there's something in this. And then the initial curiosity spike died off to one or two members a day and quite disheartened by it. Then out of the blue, one day I had a message from a lady, Emma Weaver, who I was on one of your calls today. I work in the mental health space in Northern Ireland. Would you like to do this in person? It's like, yeah, of course I will say yes and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I, I thought I was, I had no idea what, what, what the clients were going to be like, what age, what group. So I thought, okay, we'll do 10, 10, 10 because it's in person. We'll lengthen it out. We'll split it up. Uh, not knowing what the clients would look like, you know, no idea, trying to feel my way around this space. And it was ladies and gents in their, I would say early, early to mid, late seventies. And then a few, a few younger and a few you know, in that bracket. So I've never done any breath work. I've never, no idea what it is. And it's like, I'm sitting there, this Egypt in a t-shirt. Uh, so it was, 
explained what we're going to do. We're going to do gentle five minutes of breathing and then we'll take a break, a small break and then we'll do another five minutes and then we're going to sit into a meditation for 10 minutes and then we're going to gratitude journal for 10 minutes. And one of the ladies during the gratitude said, you know, what, what do I talk about? And I said, well, what, what are you grateful for? And she said, I got out of bed this morning, jokingly. And it had just come out of her mouth and she caught herself. And it's like, I got out of bed this morning. And then that rippled through the room. And it, it was really, really powerful. And for anyone doing this, one of the, one of the easiest ways when gratitude gets challenging is to just go there deeper. It's like, I got out of bed and then, okay. And then you have a bed and what else? And I had slept last night and I have blankets and like sitting here, in 2022, there's times I struggle to put it down. And you say, hold on a second here. It's like you're sitting in a house with heat, running water. Um, you, you choose to go on Twitter every day and depress yourself. That, that's your choice. Um, nobody's making you do it. And at the end of that call, uh, so we finished up 15 minutes early and I was given, you know, kind of give a run through the story I just gave you. And this like uh, sweetest old lady with the blanket over her knee said to me, you should really start with your story first, because I thought you were full of shit for a while. <laughs> and it was like, I was like okay, that, that's good advice. Thank you. So we had, we had 10 weeks with those ladies and gents. And again, the results we're seeing from people just taking a bit of time to themselves, that led to more work with Inspire NA through Emma. And then it was the end stuff person was great, but it was how do I bring this to more people? How do I set this up for more people because I can only be in so many pla one place at once. And that was where the idea was born. It was probably last August, September, I thought of it. And then August, October 1st, we started. Um, a lady, Shilga Ahrens, was the first signee on from Germany with her sales team. And yeah, it's been growing pretty beautifully ever since. And, and that, that really takes us right up to, to this conversation now. What a story. Thank you so much and for sharing it so candidly and with such candor as well, I mean, through what is a ridiculously adversarial challenge, uh, your self-awareness, and you, you probably know this, but it's worth saying because people don't know this about themselves, your self-awareness is amazingly high because actually, like you said, that you even recognising the fact that we make other people feel comfortable by putting ourselves, putting them first, even in the position where you're feeling... Uh, not in a good place. You become that kind of wounded healer in a sense. It's it's pretty pretty powerful stuff. Thank you. Yeah, you're, the second you're, person also to mention today, cold showers. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling this is my universal, universal yeah, <laughs> kick up the arse that, that absolutely terrifies me. The, the the thought of going into a cold shower. But how long is it painful for before it becomes the norm? <laughs> it it never ever ever gets easier. And that's and whenever you accept that, it's okay. What <laughs> one of the one of the rules of prospecting for business is you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Uh, so if you, if you apply that, uh, and I will say that the point of it is when you go in is, can you relax? So start off with a warm shower and then give yourself 15 seconds at the end. Anyone can do 15 seconds and yeah. do that for a week. And then the next week go 30 seconds. And when you get it to a minute at the end, then go 30 seconds at the start and then warm and then finish cold. And just slowly, slowly, slowly build up. Don't rush in and try. And, and you're coming into a good season to do it. You've all summered out of practice and come next January. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you're standing there staring at a cold water streaming. 
we had um, uh, an amazing guy, Marian uh, Tomokov, uh, who lives up in the Greek mountains uh, of all places. Um, but he was kind of talking through his morning routine and actually cold showers was, was on his list too. He also brings in uh, uh, prayer, his relationship with, with God and religion uh, and his faith is really strong for him too. And he'll also bring in like a, he's very clear about what breakfast he has, like kind of salmon for the brain, tomatoes for the heart. And uh, he's kind of breaking it all down. It's really interesting to see these kind of, uh, these playbooks that people have had. And it's obviously had a, a, such a positive transformational effect on you. It's amazing to hear actually. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Even now sitting, whenever you, you know, you compliment the self-awareness, it doesn't, rest easy we're not very good at receiving compliments like that uh, <laughs> i get that completely uh, i think the, the one thing i kind of wanted to, to kind of talk to you about was the, the mindfulness at the moment like i said i think i learned the hard way but I, I didn't i wasn't great on reading up and listening before uh kind of my experiences i kind of tripped over what stuff that worked and stuff that didn't work as well lots of that stuff but i think for me you're quite right that anxiety for me was regret from the past or fear of the future very rarely was it actually today but I've always felt quite I find it quite difficult to to do the mindfulness thing in its truest sense because of a busy mind so and I'm, I know I'm not alone in that because I've had this conversation with lots of different people actually on the show as well what would be your advice to me and to people like me in terms of quietening your mind enough to to achieve that kind of mindful moment uh, I don't know if advice is the right one, and it's it's exceptionally challenging. Uh, I think except like much like reframing positivity as sometimes accepting that it can be shit. Mm. We all have this image that you've got to sit there stoically calm and work through it. And if if I get fifteen seconds in a fifteen minute meditation where it's silent. It's like that that's incredible. It's like yeah. <laughs> you know, because because the mind is running bop, 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 all that like that's we are programmed more than ever to want busyness. And this is very easy to talk about and very difficult to implement. So don't think I've got this figured out. But <laughs> but but whenever you're sitting down, acknowledge that it's going to be hard and don't and notice the labels you're putting in yourself when you find the mind being been pulled left, right, and center. So like, as, as it labels of, I can't do this. Mindfulness isn't for me. I'm a failure at this. Or is it curiosity? Isn't yeah. that interesting that my mind is thinking about, you know, whatever girl at 12 years old who I fancied and now she's forever. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that yeah. my mind's thinking about a holiday in the South of Spain where I've never been and then just come back to the breath. Yeah. Because it's the, it's the point of awareness when you become aware of the thought that that's where you're strengthening the muscle. That's where you're, that, that's what meditation is. When you realize I've just spent three minutes thinking about a project I have to do next week. And then you catch the thought and then you can come back rather than just keep running with the thought. And that gets, that but gets a little bit easier as in the catching of the thoughts. Yeah. And the, the, the best example I will give of that is we had a, it was at a retreat and there was an hour long meditation and it was a lady from Portugal and it was a silent meditation. And her description at the end of it was my thoughts were like teenage girls at their favorite concert for that whole hour, but you just sit with the busyness and come back. Yeah. 
And as for mindful, and again, this this one is if you can do it, it's really powerful, is to bring awareness into where you are in this moment. Like even when I say that now, I, I sort of drop in a little bit more into this conversation rather yeah. than running through it. Like I realize that I'm I'm playing with my wedding ring. Okay, can I stop that? Can I be fully present here with Nick? The same with interest. If you're, if you're eating, if you're doing the dishes, can you can you do the dishes? and just do the dishes and it's something that i'm driving for me always i need a habit stack i need to listen to two podcasts on three times the speed when i'm driving and i'm getting so much done it's like no can you just can you drive for an hour in silence and see what comes up and that's where you'll find you get good ideas that's where you'll find you figure something out because the subconscious needs silence to work and the subconscious is where the power is whenever you aren't running in that you know the prefrontal cortex thinking 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 yeah you know, as alan watts says if all you do is think then all you can think about is thoughts <laughs> you know like so so whenever you can slow down then you give every you give your body you give your mind time to i i don't know if that answers your question there's no there is no easy hack around it there, there, there isn't it's interesting that the, the the place that i find easiest to be more mindful or to even kind of come into that meditative state without really trying is in the shower because you yes. can't focus on the the feel of the water, the temperature of the water, and it's still hot at the moment. But I'll work on yeah. that. Uh, but all those kind of that definitely helps you kind of tune in. But I guess, and again, this is not something that I've experienced uh, in terms of as a solution. But speaking to other people that have experienced things like obsessive compulsive behaviours or generalised anxiety disorder, for example that a lot of the the kind of the negative feelings around those two things are overwhelming feelings of guilt and rumination. And and they've used mindfulness and, and meditation to, to kind of start to keep that in check. So it has a direct impact on how we physically feel and experience as well. And that's an interesting one too, isn't it? Because you so say you wouldn't necessarily associate those pursuits or those actions with emotional responses such as guilt or anxiety per se yeah yeah i know and it's, it's not an area I'm, I'm working through a hypnotherapy course the minute so we're touching on this but okay. it's not it's not an area i can i can in depth speak to um but know that it's not easy know that there's days you're going to want to storm off the sofa in a fit of rage and that's okay and that's <laughs> can can you just sit for uh, a little bit longer have you found with your increase in, in visibility and profile doing what you're doing that there's uh, can be a, a misconception that this is like how do you this guy's cured when actually, like me, we kind of manage our, our shit daily to varying degrees of success? There, there can be that perception of you being kind of people looking up to you as as the fixed kind of article when, when actually we're all kind of a work in progress, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think people think I've got this bag of tricks that'll help you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I had a friend, uh, one of my brother's friends, reach out to ask about tips for sleeping better. He's exhausted all the time. And what, what can I do? Not, not sleeping better. How can I get more energy? And I asked him, like, well, how long are you sleeping each night? He's like, well, five hours. It's like, okay, we'll push that to eight or nine and then do that for a month and then we'll have the conversation. Mm. Like, there, there, must be an, there must be something I can take or a hack. or a, It's like often the hack is sleeping more eating better uh getting in fresh air and, and that's but nobody wants to hear that but i i, I certainly i certainly i sure just not. wave a wand and make it better yeah <laughs> but, but the, la the last thing i would want is for someone to uh 
look at me and think it was figured out dear god that's that's terrifying <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely the, the there's two more things i wanted to kind of touch on with you before we uh start to kind of wrap up and it's flown by i just couldn't believe it um the the first thing is being being a man working in this space um of again i'm not solution focused in any way but having spoken to men who are in this space sometimes that, that can can either be a real kind of um, unique selling point for want of a commercial term kind of thing, or actually sometimes it means that you have to work twice as hard to kind of get the credibility. What's been your experience so far? I haven't had either of those. And I find it really interesting. The, 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 the free session on Instagram every morning at 7am, that is with a few exceptions by and large ladies. Yeah whenever this started as a paid session it was by and large men and not like alpha alpha like business owners yeah. coaches life coaches people who have you know in inverted commas have their life together and it was interesting to observe and, and now it's now it's a, a total mix and it's not it's not something i've ever put thought to um, and maybe that's why it hasn't appeared. It was someone else said to me, God, your audience in the morning is mostly women. And this was a lady who was trying to teach me to sell more. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not really fussed on selling more to, you know, it's like the free sessions, the free session. And that's that. Yeah. And, and I think because I haven't, I, again, if you go in, I'm a believer. If you go in with a belief, you're, you're, you're going to look for reasons to back it up. So if you feel you're disadvantaged because you're as a six foot four white male in Ireland, like I don't think I can really complain about having disadvantages in a, in a space. Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, the, the last point is around, we had an amazing lady, Misha, on Souk on recently, who was talking about her experiences with her um, practice, uh, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, about how um, anything that's considered out of the mainstream can be very easily classed as woo-woo uh, or can be classed as kind of fluffy and kind of joystick waving kind of people running around kind of and again is that is that a challenge you've experienced especially as you've got more into the corporate space have you had to work doubly hard to try and show people the benefits and it's not woo? -woo. Uh, it's a good question and i've two two views on this so the first being the, fir the first being be the lighthouse in this. I'm not going to try and convince anybody that you know, I'm not going to be the tugboat trying to rescue people here. It's like, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And if you like it, come and join. You're more than welcome. Uh, and there's plenty of, and this ties into the second point. There's a, there's a copywriter uh, sort of, you know, he teaches people how to write in America. And he says like, you know, if, if you're trying to sell woo woo, there's plenty of people who love woo woo. Mm find those people and then that's your tribe's going to grow well and, and not only that but it's because it's, it's not even woo woo anymore like when i like four years ago when i was taking core showers that was on the edge yeah um, you know whenever I'm, I, table, I'm all for woo woo i'm very open-minded about everything but but i also know in in a professional environment yeah even from a mental health perspective i do have to work twice as hard to get those people not stereotypically but generally dressed in suits with their arms folded I got to work really hard to get those on site. That's a kind of challenge I was thinking about. Whenever I, oh yes, yeah, so, so say if you're presenting in person, one of the things I find is to just name it straight away. 
So if I'm presenting to a company and there's executives or there's anybody, it's like, I'll say, look, if I was in your position right now, and I have been, my first thought is, who the fuck does this guy think he is? <laughs> I'm not going to listen to one word of this. I'm going to take nothing from this. How quick is this over so I can get to lunch? <laughs> so whenever you acknowledge what they're thinking, that it kind of just takes that armor off them. And it's like, look, you can sit there and you're more than welcome to sit there and fold your arms. But if you want anything from this experience, give it a word. And if you do try it and it's not for you, beautiful. Yeah, I like that. I used to run pubs and clubs. It's the version of going for the biggest guy first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's like if you, you know, if, if you try and ignore the elephant in the room, it just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was speaking at a college recently and I was in between events. I, I said I'll donate some time just to go classroom to classroom. And it was for for some students that have had kind of really tough upbringings and uh, to going in just kind of dressed like this. I stood at the back and this student came in and said, Fucking hell, there's a lot of people in here. And I said, yeah, there is. I said, anyway, who the fuck's this guy? I said, I don't know. I've heard he's massively overrated. <laughs> the lecturer comes into the front of the room and says, oh, we got Nick here today. And he went, I am so sorry. I said, it's fine. It's not a problem. You're just verbalizing what anybody else would think. Yeah. But the difference is you're 15 and have no filter whatsoever. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> which, which at least let you know, because that's yeah. Whenever, whenever these people move into the corporate world in 15 years time, they're going to be thinking the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like you, you got to meet people where they are, not who you want them to be. Exactly. I mean, it's, that's such a great rule of engagement. It's, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about them, isn't it? How they yeah, want to yeah. be engaged with. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, this has been a pleasure. I know it's going to be the first of many appearances because it's just we've got so much to talk about. <laughs> but for now, I want to finish with the question I ask everybody that comes on the show. So I'm going to set the scene for you. I am now the MC of the O2 Arena in London. 20,000 people have paid their hard-earned money to come and hear you talk. You're kicking back in the green room, your feet on the table, sipping a beer, and your walk-on music kicks in. That song that motivates you, that lifts you, that gets you at peak state. What would your walk-on track be and why? This has changed. Uh, I, I, I love music. I've kind of gone from metal to rap to, at the minute, it's, it's heavy, heavy house. But I will say uh, DMX, X going to give it to you. That's what awesome. I'll go with. So that Here. track, along with every other choice, is going to be on the playlist available at the end of the season. So this is going to be an eclectic mix. <laughs> <laughs> Utterly fantastic. So, look, Sean Doherty, thank you so much for donating your busy time to be with us. Big round of applause to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for being on the show today. And said, uh, uh, anybody wants to reach out and connect with Sean, I encourage you to do so. He is as nice as he seems on this program. Um, I've spoken to him away from here when the cameras aren't rolling. He's a great guy. All of his links are going to be in the bio. So please do connect. I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from anybody. Um, and yeah, so thanks, Sean. And everybody else, stay tuned. We have another amazing guest. Uh, coming your way very, very soon. Uh, so stay tuned, hit like and subscribe and all that jazz. And for now, take care, stay happy, be well. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Beautiful. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Do hit the like button and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Published every Monday and available through YouTube or the podcast platform of your choice. See you next week.